The Strategic Living Podcast, episode number 292, The Lens of Grace, an interview with Scott Prickett. This is part two. Welcome to the Strategic Living Podcast, a program dedicated to helping you achieve personal healing, discover your strategic purpose, and lead with maximum impact. Our goal is to challenge your thinking, expand your vision, and awaken the strategic influencer in you. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here is your next level mentor and coach, and the host of the Strategic Living Podcast, Brian Holmes. Everybody, it's great to have you with us again, and I am thrilled to have Scott Prickett back in the studio with me today. Last week, we dove into his new book and discovered that there is a better way to approach life, relationships, and so much more. This week, we continue exploring this lens of grace, and we talk about the importance of identity and personal healing. You don't want to miss one minute of this episode. I'm honored. Let's get started. Well, once again, everyone, thank you for being a part of the program today. We're delighted and honored to serve you by bringing you hopefully meaningful content week in and week out here on the Strategic Living Podcast. Well, once again today, I get to bring you into the conversation that I am having with my dear friend, Scott Prickett. As I mentioned last week, Scott is not only a friend, but he's a collaborative associate. He is someone that I have great confidence in. When you look at his life and his experience, he just turned 50 years old just this year, just a couple of weeks ago, really, a couple of months ago, maybe. And, uh, you know, man, tank commander, corporate America leadership, uh, practicing law, leading nonprofit organizations. I mean, I could go on and on, owning his own businesses, uh, this is a guy who has such a breadth of scope of leadership and influence and impact. Just the kind of person I want to bring to you because we are all about strategic influence, maximum impact. How can we leverage the grace and the abilities God's given us to make a difference in our world? Man, Scott is a perfect example of a guy who does just that day in and day out. Uh, we've been talking about his new book, called Abundant and Free, Living Life or Seeing Life Through the Lens of Grace. Scott's authored multiple books, but his most recent one dives into the concept that we can actually shift the way we see things and really fundamentally change the outcomes, the results, the fruit we see in our life just because we choose to live in the context of grace. Uh, man, I, th listen, if you're not a religious person, that's okay. I invite you to listen to this episode anyway. I promise there's something in it for you. Uh, you can take what you want, leave the rest on the table. It's fine. But there's so much more to this episode than a religious talk. In fact, it's not that at all. You need to hear uh, the direction this conversation goes today on this episode. I want to invite you right now into my living room. Let's go and join the conversation once again with Scott Prickett. Well, we're talking to my dear friend Scott Prickett, and we've been 
specifically discussing his new book, Abundant and Free, Seeing Life Through the Lens of Grace. Scott, welcome back. Thanks, Brian. Good to be here. So just give us a quick synopsis of what we've talked about so far. Give us a quick overview. What is the lens of grace? How does it apply to our life? Why is it important? So the lens of grace in a nutshell is this. First and foremost, knowing who you are, being comfortable with who you are, liking who you are, in fact, loving who you are, not from a place of arrogance, but a place of security. Then having the grace for yourself that's intended for you, you're full of grace, therefore you're graceful. You have grace to give others. Instead of walking in a, a way of judgment and, uh, and justice all the time, you're actually a grace distributor because you're full of grace. Awesome. And uh, if you missed the first episode, be sure to go back and catch part one of the interview. You won't want to miss that because we really unpacked a lot of the concepts in the book and you, that will give you a great basis for where we're going today. Uh, in, in the book, there is a chapter called Spotting the Issue. And man, there's so much in this book, but in this particular chapter, one of the statements you make is that if we don't properly assess why something is happening, well, obviously we won't apply proper solutions. Talk about that a little bit. How, how do we typically get into the blame game and pointing the finger and trying to d- deflect on other people the responsibility of something that's probably going on inside of us? Sure. So a couple of things are going on. One is when we interact with people in a workplace or in a business transaction or whatever organizational dynamic we have, even within a family, there are things going on within us that are kind of um, present options for us, let's say, internally all the time of kind of Uh, agreeing with our true identity or being out of place or insecure related to our true identity. But the same is true for the people we're dealing with. And so as we go about interacting with others, uh, we have opportunities to misinterpret signals through, through choices that they've made or circumstances that we're all stuck in and applying a lens to those choices and those circumstances that colors our interpretation of those things in a way that's not entirely accurate. So the whole idea of spotting the issue is being first tuned in with your identity, knowing and being secure in who you are, and then coming at things from something other than a defensive or an offensive posture where you're looking to assess blame, either avoiding it yourself or placing it with someone else to instead work through issues to get to solutions. So I want to tell you, I'm going to throw myself under the bus here, okay? <laughs> I'm just going to jump right underneath the big tires. Uh, it, it hasn't been too many months ago, you and I were in a meeting together with another individual, and there were some comments that had, in, in several previous meetings had been being made, and, and the comments were getting under my skin. They were bothering me. Uh, in fact, at some point, I got really ticked off. And in about the third or fourth meeting where this continued to happen, I just told you on the side, I said, dude, I've had enough. I'm just, this is like... I was mad. I even asked you, I said, do you, do you agree? Is this like, is this like out of bounds now? And you even said, yeah, I think it's, I think it needs to be addressed. And then you said, and I love you and I hate you for this. (laughs) You said, you said, but let me ask you a question. What is it inside of you that's going on that makes this such a big issue? And I mean, it, it was like this moment of epiphany where simultaneously I wanted to punch you <laughs> and hug you because <laughs> you were a friend to me right then because it really pointed out, it, it sh- shown a spotlight on what you're talking about here. My my need to defend myself and to 
to require justice and righteousness in that situation maybe was viable. But the real issue was something was tweaked inside of me regarding my identity, my security, my own perception of things that not only did I not have grace for me, I didn't have grace for this person. So that's that's kind of what I get from what you're saying there. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think we face those opportunities every day, all the time. With and, our spouses. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we go there? I'll go ahead and let that one pass right by. <laughs> no, obviously, if you live in close proximity to people, and if you're married, you live in close proximity to your spouse, the, the closer you are, the more opportunities there are for those types of interactions. It's, it's why, and, and I actually believe it's part of the reason for marriage is to work that stuff out of us. It's not to create another Hallmark card. <laughs> and so- so yeah, those opportunities come up all the time, but the the opportunity in it is, all right, what in me is so stirred up that that I want to respond to that? And the the slippery slope of it is, if we go chasing down quote unquote injustices or perceived injustices, there's really no end to it. There's no right. it becomes tiresome at some point. I'm not saying there's never a time. There are times that in relationship there needs to be healthy conflict, healthy confrontation. But that's different than counterattack or defensive posturing or whatever it looks like. If you can come at that from a relational, healthy way, settled first and foremost, that you're not threatening my identity. You're not, you're not a threat to me. I just want relationship with you. Then there's opportunity there that wouldn't exist otherwise. Yeah, that's huge. And man, this applies so many places. It applies every place. I'm just sitting here thinking if, if somebody is an entrepreneur, uh, a startup, maybe they're a small business owner already. They have several employees and they're leading a small organization of some kind. Maybe it's a nonprofit ministry. Maybe it's a church. I mean, I've, that's been my background for many years and I've seen this. What we're talking about right here is paramount to the, to the safety and the, the health and the viability of the culture. If, if we are constantly trying to, uh, mark our territory and defend our positions and and convince everybody that we're right then we're going to we're going to do so much more damage than we're doing good. Oh, no question. And, and you know Brian from from what I know of your audience, you have a lot of people that listen in on these podcasts or um actively pursuing self-development and so yes. and and they they would describe themselves if I met many of them and said describe you for me a high percentage of them would describe themselves as leaders. Yeah. And I would submit to you that there's no leadership outside of this concept. In other words, if we don't walk in the security of identity that presents an environment that not only is non-threatening, but also is a little bit non-threatable, if that's a word. In other words, I'm going to give you permission to clunk around a little bit in this as a leader, and I'm not going to be offended every time you step on my toes. Because as a leader, I'm secure in my place. As a leader, you're not a threat. As a leader, you get to work this out. And I get to walk with you in a way that's conducive not only to organizational health, but also to your personal growth. If I'm secure in that place, I'm going to make it a real healthy environment for those that are in the organization that I'm leading. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's talk. I'm going to dive into this because I think it applies. There, one of the things that I deal with when I'm consulting with or coaching leaders uh, or business owners or ministry leaders, and I do all of those, is inevitably the struggles that are going on internally in a person as it relates to their personal freedom, their security, their identity. As you mentioned a while ago, I think in the previous episode, uh, 
it always bleeds over first with those who are closest in proximity. I know that in my life, the times that where I've been under tremendous duress, pressure as it relates to identity, performance, all these things, the person who tends to get the, the bulk of that or the bad end of that is my wife and or my, my children over the years. And so how does one, as we process out of that mindset and get some things resolved, reconciled, healed, and we begin to come into this new awareness of this lens of grace, how do we begin to turn the corner and I don't mean make things right necessarily, but how do we begin to behave differently, think differently, see differently, so we can really nurture those relationships into a much healthier place? I think it's a great question. I just turned 50 years old. and Hey, uh, join the club. <laughs> I actually was kind of, for the last several months or a year, however long it's been, I was kind of looking forward to 50 as a bit of a badge, a badge of maturity or whatever it might be. There was a, a time a, a, a few years ago that I met with a, a an executive level coach. His name's Bob Beal. He's fantastic. Um, and he offered that at 50 is really when you hit your stride. Mm-hmm. There's an opportunity in this decade that you are settled on some things individually and personally. You are equipped in ways that have come after several decades of experience. You're just in a spot that you can really, really, in his phrasing, he would say, hit your stride. And as I hit 50, I was in a spot where I thought, as I was approaching it, I thought, man, I'm perfectly positioned right now to do exactly what Bob Beal talked about several years ago. And as I got into it, my first taste of it was different than I thought, because as equipped as I felt, as secure as I felt, as confident as I was, as secure as I seemed to be, I also got into this spot where... I thought that when I, when I pictured hitting your stride, I pictured a racehorse running like crazy, everybody admiring the gate, uh, look out, here I come, I'm headed to the front of the pack. And while there may be elements of that, what I'm seeing in this first part of 50 is this, there's actually um, less, less is more, less yeah. allows for others, less is comfortable letting others work it out. And then being strategic about when, where, and how I insert 50 years worth of experience, 50 years worth of insight. And the insertion of that insider experience, as often as not so far in my first taste of this decade, has been with a question or a pause or a permission or even just comfort. When someone has an emotional time, if I'm really on my game, so to speak, maybe just meeting them with this simple phrase, yeah, I'm sorry you're dealing with that. Instead of having to react to everything, having to fix everything, having to overplay the hand. So a friend of mine years ago said, hey, let the game come to you. I think there's something to that. So this whole idea of grace, you're not going to be real comfortable letting the game come to you and walking in that kind of maturity unless you're comfortable with who you are and you let other people figure out who they are in your comfort. It's, it's still and always will be about relationships. It still and always will be about group dynamics, not individual abilities. The multiplier we all have as a possibility in our lives is other people. We're limited no matter how efficient or effective we may be. The multiplier is our collaborative ability. That collaboration, frankly, without grace, it's short-lived pretty much every time. Yeah. So I want to take uh, another little small 15-degree turn here as it relates to grace uh, you and I share another uh, commonality, and that is that we've both had extensive ministry experience. Uh, 
uh, as it relates to church leadership and roles and what have you. Uh, both of us have been pastors. Both of us have served other pastors as staff members. One of my deep, deep passions and desires is to bring some measure of peace and hope and healing and grace to those frontline leaders, because as you and I both know, there's there's a lot of dysfunction and a lot of hurt going on in those realms. As it relates to this message, the lens of grace, how would you apply this to ministry leadership, whether it's a senior leader of a church somewhere or maybe an associate or assistant pastor, uh, a men's pastor, whatever? I mean, I, I talk to people all the time who are just simply, you and I were at a, at a deal together in October, and there was a participant there that had just gone through a really traumatic, difficult situation as a staff member of a church. How would you how would you approach individuals on both sides of that, both the leader and the people who are being led? I think that the structure of the organization and the structure of the relationship needs to be examined as often as anything else. And that's a pretty big concept that I just said, and it may even be a bit um, a bit ambitious or unrealistic in some in- instances, because in its purest form, what I would say is that there's real value for those people that are making a living. Uh, for lack of better ways to put it, in the world of ministry, there's real value in those people having some other source of income as well. Uh, it's a very practical thing. Here's what I mean by that. If the entirety of your livelihood is based on people's approval in a ministry setting, if if it's entirely mm. about if people think you're funny enough, interestingly enough, deep enough, all that stuff, and you're constantly kind of on that line of whether or not they're happy with you in the moment, there's going to be a pressure that's going to lead to an insecurity. There's a there's a there's a vulnerability there that's going to lead to an insecurity. What we see as often as not for those leaders in those settings that have struggled is they're operating out of an insecurity. Mm. And the the things that we see that become aberrant or difficult are insecurities, uh, the reactions to insecurities. So I would say to, first and foremost, I would highly encourage anyone that's engaged in ministry as a full time or even part time vocation. Just be active in some other ways. Have have some things that you're good at that aren't dependent on people's approval that actually are productive in a different way. That could create some real challenge in coming up with that is. And, and it may depend on what you're working. You may say, well, I don't have time. And I, I understand that. I would just say that from a practical perspective, I think it, I think it's very, very valuable. So that'd be first and foremost. Then once you're in a healthy dynamic you can kind of say, look, I don't want you to be dependent on me, nor do I want to have to be entirely dependent on you. I want to be in a healthy, flowing relationship where I give, you give, I get, you get. There's gifts in you. There's gifts in me. There's nothing in this calling that says I have to be the answer. I'm not the answer. I'm here to walk beside, to agree with, to watch over, but I'm not here to fix everything. And your expectations should come in line with my ability because I don't I don't have the ability to fix everything or to please everyone. Yeah, you know the, it's almost a it's almost a catch twenty two because high level leaders, whether it's ministry, corporate, whatever, high level level leaders, by virtue of the position, there is this unspoken expectation that they are the source. They are the they have the answers. They they get, get to fix big problems. And it puts immense pressure. And like you said, when you're under a pressure environment, it's going to bring out insecurities. And people who are operating out of insecurity are always going to have the propensity to hurt other people. 
And then the organization suffers all the way around. Oh, the organization and then the people. We've heard the stories. You just referenced one. It's people walk away from those things that are supposed to be healthy and life-giving and they're there, it's the deepest, some of the deepest wounds you come across. Yeah, and, and then those wounds translate into more struggle with identity because they take that on as, well, I must be flawed. Something must be wrong with me. And then the cycle just begins again and goes even deeper. So uh, we have to learn this lens of grace piece, how we relate, how we communicate, how we engage one another. Uh, man, this this teaching, and I've heard you teach this, I think, two or three times now live and I, I told you the first time I heard you do it, and I think it was the first time you had ever taught it, period, maybe. I, I told you this this has to be a book. It has to be it has to get out there because this is one of those truths that change changes the game. Period. If we can get this biblical concept, then I think we can begin to see more of what God sees as far as how we're supposed to be walking this out. Yeah, and it, it takes a little bit of intentionality to change the lens. I'll submit to you that we are probably born with a justice lens. Mm-hmm. that most of us have engaged in some kind of behaviors or activities along the way that only reinforces that lens. Even going back to childhood when when our parents or our father in particular might be with well, well-intentioned, he may be challenging us in ways that seems like there's always something to do better, always something to improve on. And while there's a level of truth in that encouragement, there's also truth in I approve of you, I believe in you, I love you, and I accept you exactly with your flaws right this minute. I have grace for the rest. You're good enough. Yeah. And, and you know, you and I have talked about this. By the way, everybody, Scott's one of my closest friends, and he's the guy that I can cry to and scream to and occasionally say ugly words to. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we've talked about, you know, reflecting back on how I've engaged my now adult children and how in so many ways Sabrina and I have been inadvertently guilty of of coaching them, raising them, speaking to them, not through the lens of grace, but through the lens of justice. You know, you did a good job, but it wasn't enough. It just, it's just always coaching them to perfection, not coaching them from progress, you know, that whole idea. And this is something that right now, man, I, as, as recent as 24 hours ago from the time of this taping, I sat with my son and we were crying together, not because we'd had a conflict, because he was hurting and I, I caught myself, rather than lecturing him about what he needed to do, I said, dude, it's okay. I love you. I'm happy to help you. What do you need? Let's, we'll get through this, you know? And, and it was because of this teaching. It was because of having a, turning up the volume, having an awareness of my propensity is to go to, you need to fix this. You need to get this right. You can do better. Versus just saying, there's grace for all of it, man. You're good. I love you. I affirm you. You're a good man that sort of thing. So this is a big deal. I want to encourage everyone who is listening. Uh, This is not a a, a hard read. This is a super easy read. It's what, a 120 page book? No, I'm sorry. Let me not shortchange the author. (laughs) It's okay. I think it's about 160. (laughs) But a 160 page book. It's called Abundant and Free, Seeing Life Through the Lens of Grace by Scott Prickett. It's going to be up on our website. You can also go to scottprickett.com and get a copy there. And this book will be one of those pieces you will treasure and share with others. No question about it. Get this. It's going to change your life for sure. Now, I want to change course on you here completely now. And I want to talk a little bit about Fellowship of the Sword Ministries. And uh, it is a little bit of a diversion here, but this is so relevant because FTS was founded over 15 years ago now by Richard and Paige Henderson. 
great, incredible visionary. Just he he took something that God gave him, stewarded it so well, brought it forward, and thousands of people have gone on these events that people have heard me talk about on this program uh, several times. In 2012, I went on something called Quest. It was a quest for, in this case, it was for men, and there was about 20 of us that went on a, a deal. And we went away for five and a half days, and the idea was not for somebody to stand in front of the group and teach a bunch of material and lecture and and all. It wasn't a seminar. It was really more of an encounter-based kind of a deal. It was really a space to get us away from the noise and provide an opportunity and an environment where we can encounter Dad. And I've shared on the program my story of how that happened for me. Uh, In 2013, my wife and I went to the couples event. And in 2014, I believe it was, I went in on one of the other events called Dreams and Visions. And that, again, was a major part of this transition and movement in our life the last five years. Scott, uh, in the last number of months, has taken the, uh, he's always been involved, well, always is a relevant term, I Since suppose. Since 2008. Yeah, 2008. Long time you've been involved, almost 10 years now, nine years, been involved in the ministry as a facilitator and part of the ministry teams and what have you but recently has taken over as the executive director and is really guiding it into the next season. Talk a little bit about FTS. What is it? What's it about? Why Why are these Quest events so um, transformational? Sure. So you hit on some of the high points, and just in a nutshell, what we do is we facilitate catalytic encounters. We facilitate encounters with God that will change everything within you from the inside out. We, we set out very intentionally— to put you in place, to uncover truth, to unlock your identity, and to unleash your passion. This isn't about fixing broke stuff. It's about unleashing great stuff. We believe there's great and glorious things in each one of us by design. There are things that we're intended that are far beyond our ability, except for by the designer to agree with us, and probably better put, for us to agree with him. So, we put people in a place to turn off the noise, to set down their phone, to spend time intentionally pursuing God, find out the stuff that's in them that's held them up, find out the stuff that's in them that's ready to burst out, find out how to get from the place they're at to the new glory they're calling it, called into. Encourage them, challenge them, affirm them, be in a place of community with them. We set an environment in place that I can truly say now on, I don't know how many events I've been on personally, hundreds and thousands of people have gone through it, thousands, and I've been involved personally with hundreds, time and time and time again, I'm never, I, I'm, I never cease to be amazed at the incredible stories. I was just on an event last week, as a matter of fact, a Quest event in the United Kingdom in England, and one of the gentlemen at the end of the week, I said, was this good for you? Was this a good week? He said, this was a very accomplished man. He was a self-made millionaire, a high-level entrepreneur. He said, most impactful week of my life. Most impactful week I've ever had. He was. He had tears in his eyes. Everything was changed. He had come in in a broken, tough spot, and he left entirely different. But, but it wasn't because we had some really good teaching that if you'll just hear this, everything will change. It was because he stopped to be intentional, to get quiet, and to listen. And everything changed from the inside out. These events are so unique. Uh, I've I've been around the ministry world 29 years, like officially on staff of something for 29 years. 
I've never seen anything facilitated quite the way these are because like you said a moment ago, it's not about a program as much as it is about an opportunity. And uh, just for those that maybe have not heard my story, I'm not going to bore you with the details, but in 2012, uh, I went on the Men's Quest event and not fully knowing what to expect, but also very ready for, as you said, a, a change encounter in my life. And I was aware that, okay, there's something new in front of me. I have no clue what that is, but I, I want to go see if I can tap into that. And boy, howdy, did my life change like fundamentally and frankly never could have expected it. And uh, it, it is one of two of the most impactful things we've ever done in our lives. Both my wife and I have been on these Quest events. Uh, subsequently, we went on the couples event that you and I have gotten to staff together quite a few times. Talk about the couples event a little bit too for those that are married and, and would consider doing that. Yeah, similarly, we go away for five and a half days uh, to a Q1 or a Quest for Oneness. And so when when there's been time individually seeking and changing and seeking the catalyst of of the encounter with God, then the, together a married couple comes together and we go away to pursue God too as one. And so in the very similar fashion, what I've, you walk in the freedom of marriage. So similarly to the freedom of being an individual, of knowing who you are, knowing your identity, the freedom of marriage comes at some cost. Here's what I mean by that. A foundational verse for freedom as an individual is simply this. For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but he who lives in me. This life I live, I now live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. So the life I live isn't mine. I, I'm, I'm willing to put down what I think I have figured out and allow him to multiply through me. Where the, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. It is for Christ that I've been set free. And so we get set free in the reduction or the elimination of our striving. And so in similar fashion, when we come as two to, in the pursuit of oneness, we figure out experientially in a way that still is encounter-based that the harder I try to do this, the harder I try to perfect this, sometimes the more problems I create. And in the laying down of my weapons, in the laying down of even my protective devices, in the laying down of my life, in this instance, for and with another, I'll find life, I'll find freedom, I'll find oneness. That's powerful. And, you know, here, here's a bit of a preview, too, from my story. My life was this massive tower being built. Uh, if you can imagine two towers side by side, two big radio towers. And I had my whole thing going on, my work, my ministry, all the stuff that we were doing. And my wife had her thing going on, primarily motherhood and mommyhood and all that stuff. And we had succeeded in building these significant towers, but yet there was not oneness. We lived together, we slept together, and we even made babies together. We are stretching into TMI. <laughs> but the point is, is that there, there was not this oneness. There was not this, this connectedness that we were designed to have in the context of marriage. And uh, on, on that particular event in 2013, man, that those towers came crumbling down and we we began in 2013 building erecting this new structure that was one you know and it's a journey it's a process but man oh man were we given some great tools it changed our life well and one of the things we'll challenge couples with as they show up of course these are christian couples it's a it's a christ-centered faith-based sure. event they've already been through our underlying quest events 
And as they come to these events, we ask them this question. Are you satisfied being a good Christian couple uh, in the natural? Or are you willing, ready, and able to stop that in order to allow for supernatural oneness? Are you ready to give up the natural attempts at being a good Christian couple? Are you ready for supernatural oneness? Yeah, that's the whole deal right there. So give me this real quick. If you were to describe FTS and its vision for the future, what what do you if if you're talking to people now that that have not yet quested, what would be your invitation to them? How how would they perceive how this would help them and grow them and launch them into a better future? The the thing that I've seen and I alluded to or I actually just spoke directly about just a few minutes ago is this is that the change that we're looking for is within. The the God if 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 you know Jesus as your savior, the glory of God's in you. Yeah. And he's ready to come out of you as his glory on display through you. Most of us or many of us don't realize that. We think it's more about kind of the churn of being good, the churn of being proper, the churn of being perceived as Christians, the churn of whatever it is we we put in our box there. Instead of knocking down all the walls of any boxes and living as passionately, as freely, as abundantly, as fully alive as we possibly can and so what I would say is coming on a quest event is this. It's a facilitation of an encounter that releases you into your purpose and destiny with greater realization, greater clarity than anything I've ever seen. So that resonates with my audience because we talk about those concepts individually all the time. My tag to that would simply be this. If you are ready to take your life, your leadership, and your capacity your your realized dreams to the next level. If you're ready to break out of whatever has been holding you back, this might be something you want to consider doing. I can speak from experience, not only having been on the events, but having staffed a number of the events. I give you my word, it is something worth looking into. How can they find out more about Fellowship of the Sword? Right now, you can find us at fellowshipofthesword.com. Coming soon, we're actually expanding our domain name and our opportunities will also be, you can find us at thequestlife.com. That'll be probably first of the year. But for now, if you go to fellowshipofthesword.com, and that will be available after the first of the year. Uh, if you wanted to look into our possible events in 2018, just go to the events tab. And we have events in 2018. Currently, we have the Texas events up, but soon we'll have events in North Carolina, uh, probably the Midwest, Kansas, Missouri. We may or may not end up with the United Kingdom events on there. So that Michigan may end up in there in the coming year. We have all kinds of international opportunities coming up. So we're still developing our calendar for 2018, but at our website, you can find those possibilities. Scott, I tell you this all the time in person, but I'll tell you here on the program, I am deeply grateful uh, that God graced my life with you. And uh, you, uh, you came into my life at a time when I needed a friend, a real friend who would speak truth and love, be transparent, be real. And uh, man, I'm so excited to see what all's happening in your life and in your wife's life the books, this is, by the way, this is the second book he's written. Uh, the other book is? Transforming the Prodigal Soul. Got to have that. And so the everything that's happening around you right now, man, obviously there's promotion, there's there's acceleration, all the things we talk about. I'm, I'm super excited for you. Delighted to have you here with me today. And thank you for taking time out of your crazy schedule to to share with our audience the things that are going on in your world. Uh, it's been my, my blessing, my favor, my honor. I appreciate the opportunity. Here's this week's tools, tips, and recommended resources guaranteed to amplify your leadership and accelerate your personal growth. 
Well, once again this week, I'm going to take our Tips, Tools, and Resources segment, and I'm going to point you in the direction of Scott Prickett and his resources. We talked about it in the episode, but you want to go to scottprickett.com, S-C-O-T-T-P-R-I-C-K-E-T-T.com. Scott is an incredible writer, an incredible speaker, tremendous coach and mentor to so many people, and on his blog site, he is offering some tremendous materials there week in and week out. You don't want to miss that. Subscribe to his email updates, all the things that you know to do to plug into someone who has value to offer you. I also want to mention to you that his book, Abundant and Free, is now available on Amazon.com, but also you can go to scottprickett.com and find it there just as well. I encourage you. We've just touched the surface these two weeks in this interview, uh, and I want very much for you to get the full scope and meaning of what this book brings to light and uh, really realize the benefits of what these principles can mean to you and to yours get a copy of the book. It's an easy read. It's just, you know, it's maybe 160 something pages. It's not a big book, but man, oh man, is it full of life, full of value, and it will absolutely add value to your journey. So the book is Abundant and Free by Scott Prickett, and be sure to go to his website, scottprickett.com. I want to mention one more thing to you as it relates to tips and tools, and I may talk about this again in a future segment, But I want to tell you something, as you hear this podcast, as you listen to these episodes, maybe again and again, as you read a book like Abundant and Free, I encourage you, whatever you do, to have a journal. That's right, old-fashioned pen and paper, somehow handy. If it's a spiral notebook you buy at Office Depot or at Walmart, I don't care where you get it, but you need to capture the thoughts and the ahas and the things that you hear when you're reading or listening, because As we're listening to content, as we're being uh, encouraged and challenged, many times our internal dialogue is is pretty profound. And here's here's a perspective. Many times God speaks through other people's content. And as you hear things, as things are prompted to you, it's so critical that you write them down, meditate on them, talk about them, pray about them, consider them, ponder them, meditate on them, all those things. So I want to encourage you, in addition to buying Scott's book, If you don't have a journal or something you write in frequently, get one. I promise you, journaling and writing and documenting the things that come into your heart and mind will be a difference maker for you. If you're ready to take your life and leadership to another level and are committed to doing whatever necessary to become the influencer God has created you to be, then you are ready for this week's Influencers Challenge. So the status quo is something that I am not friends with. Uh, in fact, whatever's normal and average and ordinary, uh, I, I tend to buck that as often as possible and as forcefully as I have within me to do so. I will tell you this, uh, as you have listened to last week's and this week's episodes concerning your future, concerning the potential that you have, concerning the grace and the greatness you have in you, uh, concerning the contribution that you can make when you can begin to shift. We've talked this week especially about personal healing, about really getting the identity piece resolved and reconciled. We talked a little bit about the quest and the heart quest, uh, the the ability for you to go on a five and a half day excursion, as it were, and get away and really process some things through Fellowship of the Sword Ministries, through the questlife.com and so on. 
I'm just going to encourage you. You can settle in to the status quo, or you can just settle for the status quo. Or you can decide, as we're coming towards the end of another year, I am not going to take all of the unresolved stuff with me into a new season. I'm going to challenge the status quo. I'm going to face my deepest fears. I'm going to deal with the unreconciled wounds and hurts and challenges in my life. And I am going to receive and walk in identity and healing as God, my creator, the designer, sees me. I want to challenge you today. This is a day for you to say, enough is enough. I'm done with status quo. I'm going to see my life transformed and changed, and I will be the person God has made me to be. So here's the deal. Uh, The resources like Scott's book, the resources like Ties That Bind, the resources like uh, going to a Fellowship of the Sword event, by the way, any of these things are steps in the direction of your progress, your healing, your elevation, your promotion to a new level. I promise you this, if, if you were to be given presently all the opportunities that are available to you, and there were areas of your life that weren't fully reconciled and healed and taken care of, I promise you this, those possibilities would soon become pretty gross failures because we tend to sabotage our own success based on the unresolved and unreconciled issues. I want to challenge you today. Make up your mind before this year is out. I'm going to get healing. I'm going to deal with some stuff. I'm going to resolve and reconcile these old books. I'm going to absolutely go for the gold, and I'm not going to settle for anything less than what God has for me. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Strategic Living Podcast. We trust this program has been a valuable resource and has challenged you to take your life and leadership to the next level. We invite you to join our growing community of strategic influencers by connecting with us at brianholmes.com. As always, if this podcast and our other resources have benefited you, be sure to share them and pass it on. Until next time, may God bless you immensely. And remember, You are created for greatness.